Today I'm talking to Maria V. Gallagher, author of Mercy's Power, Inspiration to Serve the Gospel of Life. Maria, it's good to be speaking with you today. Now tell me, Roe v. Wade is in the trash heap of history. Isn't the pro-life fight over? Such a powerful moment when everyone heard the news that yeah. Roe had finally been overturned. And there were a lot of tears of joy mm -hmm. on that day. And it had been quite a struggle. Obviously, it had been a struggle for nearly 50 years. Mm -hmm. And it was a tremendous accomplishment. And, and we don't want to take anything away from that accomplishment because we know from estimates that 60,000 preborn babies have been saved mm -hmm. as a result of the overturn of Roe versus Wade across the United States. Those are 60,000 precious lives that would not have been here otherwise. So we take great comfort in the fact that Roe has been overturned, and yet we know that there is so much work to do uh, in our communities, in our states, and in our country. And so that's why it's so important to have a guidebook for this time, and that's mm -hmm. what Mercy's Power strives to do. Um, it's a handbook, a spiritual handbook, for um, championing the pro-life cause. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel that it's very timely and I wanna credit you with the inspiration for the book because I remember when we did the podcast for my first book, Joyful mm -hmm. Encounters with Mary, we were talking offline and you had mentioned the fact that Marian Press had not published a pro-life title in a long time. And it had been in my heart for many years to write a pro-life book, but I didn't know exactly how to go about doing it mm -hmm. and i felt that when you said that to me that was a nudge of the holy spirit to get moving on that book and i'm so grateful for the opportunity well and i'm glad it came to fruition certainly we we i mean we need the formation you know this is the sort of thing where you're you're only going to see a real change in the culture i think by the grace of god and the gift of the holy spirit especially cuz abortion doesn't just kill the child it also it really hurts the women and so it's so important to help to help the women come to healing come to reconciliation come to just a a real knowledge of the divine mercy so i think this is really a powerful we don't really realize the decimation mm -hmm. that abortion has caused in our culture, I don't think, on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're we're dealing with the fallout from uh, an estimated 64 million unborn children who have died mm -hmm. as a result of legal abortion in this country. 64 million lives. Mm -hmm. it, it's hard to even fathom. Yeah. And every life of an unborn child had a mother attached to that life. Mm -hmm. And you have so many women who are grieving the loss of those children. We know from research that one of the most powerful losses a person can experience in life mm -hmm. is the death of a child. Yeah. And that's coming about every single day in this country as a mm -hmm. result of legal abortion. Um, and so, it's uh, a struggle to try to minister to those women who have suffered the terrible effects of Roe versus Wade and the terrible effects of abortion. And we need to, as individuals, reach out to those women with love mm -hmm. and compassion and mercy. Yeah. That is so very important for their healing. And it's important to prevent future abortions I know of a case here locally uh, in Harrisburg where 
a woman had gone to a pregnancy resource center and received counseling. Unfortunately, uh, she did go through with an abortion, but mm -hmm. then a little while later, she found herself pregnant again. Mm -hmm. She went back to that same counseling center. She saw the ultrasound of her child and she chose life for that child. Mm -hmm. And that was an abortion that was prevented as a result of the outreach of that pregnancy center. Yep. And we see where there are thousands of pregnancy centers all across the country that do phenomenal work. And, and they're really the safety net mm -hmm. in this post-row era. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people ask, and I think this is a legitimate question, mm -hmm. where are these women to go? Yeah. If they don't go to get an abortion, where will they find help? Well, they'll find that help mm -hmm. through a local pregnancy resource center. And those centers provide comprehensive counseling and support to pregnant women in challenging circumstances. Mm -hmm. They provide everything from diapers to daycare referrals and from mentoring to maternity clothes. Mm -hmm. So they're really a one-stop shop for the woman. And the staff members and volunteers who work at these pregnancy centers really act as a second mother hmm. to these women that come to them. And they journey with the women through the pregnancies and um, they're the companion that the woman might not have otherwise. She might've been abandoned by the father of the child. She might be abandoned by her parents or grandparents, mm -hmm. even her friends. Yeah. And so it's very important that there be somebody there to help these women. Mm -hmm. There was research done one time which showed that 85% of women who had had an abortion and who regretted it would not have gone through with the abortion had just one person hmm. provided support, just one person. And, and we each individually can be that one person. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, the most important message you can give to a woman who tells you that she is pregnant mm -hmm. is, how can I help? Yeah, because she may be looking for that help and support and yeah. it may be very simple. I mean, she may just want you to listen to her story. Yeah, that may be all that she requires. She may need additional counseling and support and you mm -hmm. can direct her to a pregnancy center for that. But we each are involved in this yeah. um, and it, it may not have been our choice to become involved in the pro-life movement, but we have to be involved because there are so many people who will suffer otherwise and so many lives that will be lost otherwise. So this is the clarion call for us all to get involved now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so talk to me about before and after Roe. So how has, mm -hmm. how have things changed with, with the, the war with, it is a war with the culture of death. There has been a dramatic change mm -hmm. in our country. Um, fortunately, there are now states that provide comprehensive protection for pregnant women and their children. And we are so very grateful for that. We are so very grateful for the lives that have been saved and mm -hmm. the women who have been saved from the trauma and tragedy of abortion. Mm -hmm. And yet we see other states that have um, very expansive mm -hmm. abortion laws. They actually permit abortion up to the moment of birth and may not provide protection for the newborn child after birth. It's, it's really alarming. Mm -hmm. um, we have other states that are in the middle. 
they may have some protections for life, but not comprehensive protection. Mm -hmm. um, I live in Pennsylvania, and that's one of those states where we're on the edge right now, and, and we really are teetering. Yeah. I mean, are we going to be a pro-life state or aren't we? Mm -hmm. And and so um, I think that Mercy's power speaks to people who are in all these different kinds of states. Yeah. I think no matter where you find the law in your state, there's something that you can do to help protect and defend human life. Mm -hmm. And we find in the pro-life movement that we are busier as a result of the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Um, we have more media inquiries. We have more people who are coming to us saying they wanna get involved in the pro-life movement. Mm -hmm. um, we have more women who are searching for answers to the many questions that they have. Mm -hmm. And so it's a busy time for us. And, and I think that the message from God right now is to yeah. get moving. Yeah. We have to work. It, it's wonderful to pray, mm -hmm. and and I pray every day for an end to abortion, and I prayed every day for an overturn of Roe versus Wade. I am so happy that that last prayer was answered. Mm -hmm. But in addition to the prayer, we have to do the work. Mm -hmm. And how do you how do you kind of encourage? I mean, it, it it's one thing for like I work for the Marian Fathers, and you work for Pennsylvania for Life, and and these are these are organizations, and there's resources and that sort of thing. But ordinary Catholics, you know, people in ordinary towns across the U.S. have ordinary jobs that aren't necessarily on the front lines of the pro-life struggle, or they don't seem to be on the front lines of the pro-life struggle. What can ordinary Catholics do? I think it's important that ordinary Catholics begin with prayer. Mm -hmm. Prayer is the key to finding out what you should be doing yeah. because not everybody is called to everything. Yeah. And I think through prayer, we can make a self-assessment. That is in my book, Mercy's Power, that we gauge um, what our talents and abilities and skills are mm -hmm. and what we can bring to the pro-life movement. That's yeah. very important. I mean, I know one woman who loved to knit mm -hmm. and so she knitted baby caps mm -hmm. um, for newborn children and they're beautiful yeah. um, and she used whatever artistic talent she had to promote mm -hmm. life i know other people who are great organizers and so they organize um, baby bottle campaigns mm -hmm. at their churches where they collect baby bottles that have been filled with loose change and they present them to their local pregnancy centers as a fundraiser. Mm -hmm. um, I know other people who write, and uh, they write for outlets such as CatholicMom.com, mm -hmm. and they promote life that way. So yeah. you really have to make an assessment of what your talents and abilities are, and also what your time commitment mm -hmm. can be. And I, it's, it's funny, a lot of times I will receive calls from women with newborn children, mm -hmm. and they wanna know what they can do for the pro-life movement. And I think that they are struck by the beauty of that life, and they know the importance of defending it. Mm -hmm. And they tell these women, the most important thing you can do right now is to take care of that precious baby. Yeah. The, the one yeah. that God gave to you. Yeah. And you are promoting life in that way. Yeah. And it's very important that we start with the family and promoting mm -hmm. life. We have to instill these values in our children and in our grandchildren. And um, I don't know what you as a listener can do for the pro-life movement, but God knows. Mm -hmm. And if you ask him, 
we'll let you know. That's great. And this book will help, of course. It, it definitely will help because you'll get a lot of uh, tips in, in how to address the pro-life movement. And, and a lot of it deals with the concept of mercy. Um, when, when I delved into this topic, I realized that um, mercy is really the way to go in mm -hmm. promoting the pro-life cause. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we need to show mercy to the pregnant woman and to her baby. We need to show mercy to the father of that child, um, the grandparents of that child. Mm -hmm. We need to be merciful in both our deeds and our words. Mm -hmm. And that's so very important. Yeah. Um, I, unfortunately, especially in our online culture, um, there's a lot of back and forth that goes on. And there are a lot of arguments that erupt online. And I find that many of those arguments are not productive. I think it's far more effective to engage people uh, where they are. And if, if you are looking to see if you can help to plant a seed mm -hmm. for um, pro-life commitment in a person, you have to start asking them questions yeah. because you, you have to figure out where is their mindset. Hmm. It may be that they say that they are quote unquote pro-choice, mm -hmm. but what they mean is that um, they don't women, want women to die from abortion. Well, none of us yeah. want women to die from abortion. Mm -hmm. And so they see that exception or possible exception to pro-life as meaning they're pro-choice mm -hmm. when in fact, they are pro-life. Mm -hmm. They just want to make sure that women are protected. Yeah. And in the pro-life movement, we believe in protecting both the mother and the child. Mm -hmm. We work to save both. Yeah. I tell the story of if you're involved in a car accident and you um, see that uh, in the other car, there's a uh, woman and her child mm -hmm. and they look like they're in distress. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to try to save both the woman and her child. You're yeah. not going to stand there and wonder, well, I don't know. Should I save the woman? Should I save the child? No, yeah. you're going to strive to save both of them. Mm -hmm. And that's what we as a pro-life movement strive to do. Yeah. And um, there are a lot of misconceptions about the pro-life movement. And, and you can only address those misconceptions if you know about them yeah. and you know where the person stands yeah. and um we see so many times that people do have a change of heart on the pro-life issue mm -hmm. i know when i worked as a journalist the prevalent feeling among my co-workers was that well people decide where they stand on abortion and that's it yeah. they don't ever change and that's simply not the case yeah we, we have so many wonderful conversion stories of people who um, saw the, the humanity of the preborn child and realized that abortion takes that child away. Mm -hmm. And so we need to strive uh, to be good models for the pro-life movement. I, I, I think that all of us should be ambassadors for life. Mm -hmm. And that, that's what I, I work to do in, in my position mm -hmm. at the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. When I'm down at the Capitol, I think to myself, I am an ambassador for life mm -hmm. and I need to behave that way. Yeah. And I need to address others with love and respect mm -hmm. and mercy. And I think that if we follow that merciful path, we're going to see a lot of lives saved and a lot of lives changed. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. That's a good point. And I think one of those misconceptions is that um, 
the, the pro-life cause hasn't really thought through the consequences of a pro-life stance, that, that there isn't a pro-life infrastructure trying to bring aid to the women who do keep their children, but Catholic charities and all of the many, many works of the church and of her faithful to, to try to help people in need kind of is gives the lie to that. So talk to me about, I think this is kind of one of those things that's not addressed nearly often enough or not clearly brought forward enough about Catholic social teaching and how far it extends the things it addresses, like the family wage, the rights of a children to a relationship with both a mother and a father, which would discourage the abandonment of the mother by the father, which is so often a cause of abortion. Why why is Catholic social teaching so important to building this culture of life, and how can we do better about sharing it with people? I think that Catholic social teaching is critical to mm -hmm. rebuilding a culture of life in our country and in our world. Um, the whole idea of uh, a uh, family having a living wage is so important. I know growing up, uh, I lived in a family that had a lot of financial struggles. And actually, my mother at, at the time when she was pregnant with me, um, she was actually fired from her job for her pregnancy. And um, my father at that time did not have a job. And so it, it was a tremendous struggle for the two of them. Yep. And um, it's important that uh, we reach out to families in need, but it's also important that families be able to uh, have that support that they can get through a good paying job. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a vital part of Catholic social teaching, which is not talked about enough, mm -hmm. I think. And the other idea of um, a child having a right, the child has a right to a mother and a father. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that there can be extraordinary circumstances um, where a uh, parent dies um, or is uh, away from the child for, for some um, very sad reason. Um, and uh, those are, are traumatic cases. Um, but um, we believe that God planned it so that children would have both a mother and a father because the child benefits so greatly from mm -hmm. those relationships. I, it, it was interesting when my father passed away and uh, my mother was with us mm -hmm. still, um, I thought to myself, oh, this is what life would have been like if I had just been living with my mother yeah. when I grew up and not had my father with us. Mm -hmm. And there would have been a tremendous hole yeah. in our lives if that had occurred. Um, my father was the one who gave me encouragement growing up. He was the one who said that I could do anything that I wanted to do with my life. My mother was the disciplinarian and that was very important. Um, she was also the grammar police in our home. Yeah. <laughs> so she gave me my early love of writing and of words. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I needed both of them. Yep. Um, to become a, uh, a responsible adult in my life. Mm -hmm. So um, Catholic social teaching is so very important. And I find a lot of times people will contact us at the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation and they will want um, to be involved in other aspects of the pro-life movement that we are just not involved in because it's beyond our mission and beyond our scope. And I often tell these people, 
what you're really looking for is the church mm -hmm. yeah. because the church has the whole comprehensive philosophy and comprehensive mission mm -hmm. and it delves into the economics mm -hmm. um, it delves into other social issues mm -hmm. and um, we need that comprehensive approach yeah. to rebuilding our culture mm -hmm. it's it's not one or the other yeah. it's both we mm -hmm. we need both aspects of it and i think that um, it's important for us to realize that we need to come together as much as we can mm -hmm. um, to rebuild this culture of life and that that may mean um, bringing together people of various different philosophies um, and different religions mm -hmm. uh, the pro-life movement is very much an ecumenical movement yep. and we have people from all different faiths we actually have people of no faith at all who come to the pro-life movement because they just see it as a human rights issue. Mm -hmm. And so we need to welcome all those people and realize that in welcoming them, they may come to an understanding of the fullness of the truth. Mm -hmm. And I was just on a podcast recently um, where a gentleman uh, who's a graphic designer um, who does wonderful work for the pro-life cause mm. and is a, um, a an ecumenical individual but is also evangelical an evangelical christian um he credited the catholic church with much of the success of the pro-life movement because the catholic church has been there from the very beginning mm -hmm. and if you go back to the uh the old uh, news stories of of 1973 when mm -hmm. roe versus wade was first decided who, who was speaking out yeah. Well, bishops were speaking out, priests were speaking out. Yeah. And um, we need to recognize the fact that the Catholic Church is a leader mm -hmm. in the pro-life movement. Uh, and uh, we need to um, use that leadership in order to um, greatly expand mm -hmm. the pro-life movement. And um, we, we need people of, of all different walks of life in the pro-life movement. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we can't be limiting. Yeah. And we, we can't say, oh, you need to accept all of these teachings before you can become involved in the pro-life movement. No, yeah. you can become involved. And, and maybe through that involvement, maybe through our example, you will come to see that beautiful truth um, that the Catholic teaching holds. Mm -hmm. And speaking of Catholic contributions, how does St. Faustina show us a path to being more effectively pro-life? Oh, I think that St. Faustina is really a saint for the pro-life movement and a saint for our time. Mm -hmm. um, I think that her being the apostle of mercy mm -hmm. is so very important to the cause of pro-life. Um, she talks very much in, in her diary about um, the wonderful impact of divine mercy on our souls. Mm -hmm. And um, it's important that we recognize the fact that we we do receive this wonderful gift of mercy from God, and we need to share that gift with other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we're struggling in the pro-life movement, when when we encounter difficulties and challenges, I think we can look to St. Faustina for hope and for intercession and for that confidence that we need to move forward. Mm -hmm. um, she recognized in, in her simple yet profound way that um, the 
preeminent um, uh, attribute of God mm-hmm. is his mercy. Yep. I mean, he created the world out of his mercy, out of his love and out of his mercy. Mm-hmm. And um, we need to recognize the fact that we need to be ambassadors of that mercy to other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I look to St. Faustina uh, so very much in, in my line of work mm-hmm. in promoting the cause of life. Um, and I, I think that everybody should get a hold of her diary mm-hmm. and read it because it's profoundly moving. I would agree. <laughs> And how do we, but how do we make that divine mercy kind of present to the people who have either had abortions or who are involved in providing them? I mean, it's one thing we know, we, we who are practicing Catholics know just how great the mercy of God is. We, we devotees, you know, the national, like we're aware, but how do we make it credible? How do we let them hear it on the pro-choice or even in the industry? That's a very good point. And I think that, um, sometimes we make the mistake of uh, thinking of the other person as being the enemy. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time I was doing some sidewalk counseling and uh, I was trying to reach out to pregnant women uh, with assistance. And the manner in which I did it Mm -hmm. was a bit too overzealous. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a woman who came to me and, and said to me, look, they aren't the enemy. Yeah. The, the enemy is the devil. Yeah. Okay. And that opened my eyes Mm -hmm. and I realized, oh my goodness, I need to approach this in a, in a very different fashion. And, um, it was a wake up call for me. And, um, I found out, uh, later on about the, um, wonderful conversion of a an abortionist named named dr bernard nathanson Hmm. and he had performed tens of thousands of abortions in his lifetime including the abortions of his own children Hmm. and yet he his eyes were opened through ultrasound to the humanity of the preborn child Hmm. and she and he converted um to the pro-life cause and ultimately he became a Catholic and I believe it was uh, a sidewalk counselor. That was one of his uh, godparents. Mm -hmm. And I think that that shows the beauty of divine mercy. Yeah. I I think that, that those conversion stories really are um, the fuel uh, that we need to keep going. Um, because we have to look at each individual person as a potential pro-lifer. Yep. I know I'm involved in, in the lay movement called Curcio in the Catholic hmm. faith. And in Curcio, you look at people as being pre-Curcio. Hmm. Okay, this means that, that uh, they have not gone through a Curcio experience yet. Mm-hmm. And so um, they may be coming to the truth, but but they haven't received the fullness of the truth yet. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's true for the pro-life movement as well. We need to look at people as being um, pre-pro-life mm-hmm. or a, a pro-life in training. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think when you do that, you automatically become kinder mm-hmm. and more compassionate and more loving um, because you see this individual as your brother or sister. Mm-hmm. 
especially your brother and, and sister in Christ. Yeah. Um, and but when I first came to the pro-life movement, I didn't know why women had abortions. Mm-hmm. I was I was interested in saving lives. Yeah. I, I didn't think about the woman. I I couldn't really understand the the process that that brought her mm-hmm. to the door of the abortion center. And then I began to research it and I found that in 60% of the cases, the woman is con- coerced, mm-hmm. meaning that she's being pressured by a boyfriend, a husband, a parent, a grandparent. Well, that gives you an entirely different perspective on things. Yeah. Uh, if she's being pressured into having that abortion, it is not a free choice for her. And I know recently uh, there was a case uh, in my area where a woman was threatened with being thrown out of her home mm-hmm. by her parents if she did not get an abortion. Yeah. And they followed through with that threat. And thankfully, she went to a pregnancy center mm-hmm. that provided her with um a wonderful family that offered her transitional housing. Hmm. And in January, she gave birth to a healthy six pound baby boy. Mm-hmm. And she's living on her own and living in her own uh, home. And she's doing quite well, hmm. but she needed that help and support. Yeah. And if somebody had just um, turned a cold shoulder to her, would she have been strong enough to have made the choice for life, the mm-hmm. decision for life? Um, so it's very important for us to show mercy to people who are gripped in the culture of death because, um, they are quite frankly, looking for a way out. They may not realize it, but they are because the, the whole idea of, um, promoting life is, is written in the human heart. Yeah. We are a life-giving people. We are a life-affirming people. Mm-hmm. God made us that way yeah. to create and to sustain life. And so we need to show mercy to people who are struggling mm-hmm. at this point in time, recognizing the fact that they are human beings yeah. and that um, we are human beings as well. And mm-hmm. we struggle with sin just as they do. And so uh, we need to be that um, conduit for life them okay yeah and speaking of being a conduit for life we're seeing a lot of dramatic stories in the news these days about women and families suffering because doctors or hospitals for fear of legal repercussions won't provide treatment for a miscarriage or problem pregnancy now we all know that the media tends to be biased on this subject of all others so what's really going on there is nothing in pro-life legislation Mm -hmm. that prevents the treatment of a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. A miscarriage is a terrible tragedy and needs to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. Um, I often tell people that when you first find out you're pregnant, find out where your obstetrician gynecologist stands on the issue of life. Mm -hmm. If you find out that they are not pro-life, find another doctor Mm -hmm. because uh, you want a doctor that's going to care for both you and your baby. Mm -hmm. And if you are not getting good medical advice, seek out someone else, Mm -hmm. seek out a second opinion, Um, because there is nothing within pro-life legislation that should prevent good, solid health care. This is really a scare tactic Mm -hmm. from the other side 
um, to frighten women into thinking that they will not be provided for and that their babies will not be provided for. Mm -hmm. And um, in the vast majority of cases, abortions are actually done on healthy babies. Mm -hmm. uh, they're done on the, the mothers of mm -hmm. healthy babies, healthy mothers, healthy babies. Yeah. So it's, it's really a travesty um, that the media, unfortunately, is perpetrating mm -hmm. um, through this um, misinformation and this mischaracterization. Yeah. And it's a, it's a narrative. Mm -hmm. and, and we hear that all too often in the media. And I was a member of the news media. Um, I was trained as a journalist and I worked as a reporter and as a producer. And I know that um, it's difficult as a journalist to be independent and to not follow the pack. And so a certain narrative is established in the media. And if you as a reporter question that narrative, you may find yourself out of a job. Mm -hmm. So I understand how this uh, comes about, yeah. but it's important for people then to seek out good pro-life sources of information, like mm -hmm. the Catholic News Agency, for instance, okay. EWTN. Mm -hmm. um, e pay attention to where you get your news mm -hmm. um, because uh, so oftentimes the news is slanted. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I often think about the fact that abortion is not covered in the news media like anything else, because yeah. the first thing that you generally do as a journalist, when you report on something is to define the term. Mm -hmm. Abortion is never defined mm -hmm. in a news story. Yeah. It's, you never hear that it's the taking of an innocent human life. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. Yeah. And if, if we pretend that it's anything else, we are um, turning a blind eye to the problem and mm -hmm. to the tragedy. Yeah. And so we need to recognize that uh, starting out, the journalist is not uh, giving a um, favorable playing field mm -hmm. for the pro-life cause. So we need to redouble our efforts to get the pro-life message out. Mm -hmm. we, we each have an opportunity and a responsibility to promote the gospel of life. Yeah. 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 Especially since I think before this was a couple of years ago, but, but I think the stats probably indicate what's true today that uh, I believe it was Charles Camosi had done the research and had figured out that 2% of all abortions were sought for rape, incest or the life of the mother, life of the mother and only 2%. Uh, and that 98% were essentially elective, essentially, I guess you could say birth control, sadly enough. Um, why is this not better known? How how do we get that into the hands of people? Because most people, I think, think of abortion, like most abortions are desperate circumstances and it's always the life and health of the mother, but it doesn't seem to be the case at all. No, it's not the case. And the abortion industry wants to perpetuate this myth mm -hmm. that most abortions involve uh, very tragic and traumatic circumstances, when in fact, most abortions occur because of socioeconomic factors, or as I said, through pressure from somebody else beside the woman. Um, and so it's important for us to use what tools we have. Social media is a great tool. Mm -hmm. Uh, for getting out the, the word. And um, this whole issue of abortion statistics, I don't think many people know mm -hmm. how many abortions are done yeah. in their state or in the nation. I mean, we have nearly a million abortions each year in the U.S. Now, we'll see 
how much they decline as a result of the overturn of Roe, but but still, mm-hmm. um, it's it's an incredible number, and unfortunately, the news media does not engage in skepticism about those figures, mm-hmm. and um, they they don't the figures that are put out by the abortion industry, mm-hmm. and um, they don't stop and and think about the fact well is could it couldn't possibly be true that in a nearly a million cases that these dire circumstances are present mm-hmm. i mean that that would be a very alarming mm-hmm. if that were to be the case and so um it's incumbent upon us to contact reputable pro-life organizations like national right to life like the pennsylvania pro-life federation get the accurate figures and share them with as many people as we can. Yeah. Yeah. Final question. Is mercy's power just for Catholics or can it be read with profit by other folk? I believe that mercy's power can be read by people of all different faith traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly I am a Catholic and Catholicism informs my writing. um, And I do quote from uh, our Holy Father, Mm -hmm. Um, and I do talk about the uh, incredible importance of the Eucharist mm-hmm. in promoting life. Um, but there is so much to mercy's power that can be um, addressed by people of uh, any faith tradition. Mm-hmm. And um, I have given it to um, a number of my Protestant brothers and sisters, and, and they have warmly welcomed it. Um, and in fact, there's a... a um, a public official who who was so looking forward mm-hmm. to this book, and and he is not Catholic, huh. and and so um, it's a book that um, strives to show all of us how mm-hmm. we can show mercy to other people, and in that way to rebuild a culture of life in our communities, in our country, and in our world. Mm-hmm. That's great. Thank you so much for being with us today, Maria. Today I've been talking to Maria Gallagher, author of Mercy's Power, Inspiration to Serve the Gospel of Life. To order Mercy's Power, Inspiration to Serve the Gospel of Life by Maria V. Gallagher, please visit shopmercy.org. This has been Sparks of Mercy. Thanks for listening. Pray for me, I'll pray for you. Jesus, I trust in you. I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Thank you.